Come on, y'all ready for a great day or what? I'm fired up. I want to just tell you right now, I'm already incredibly excited about today, okay? So you might have to catch up with me, but I am so over-the-top enthusiastic about this moment today and can't wait to see what God's going to do in all of our hearts and our lives. Hey, we are one church, four locations, White Rock, Bishop Arts, Oak Cliff, along with North Dallas and Antigua, Guatemala as well. Let's everybody clap for everybody at all our locations. I love that we get to be this beautiful global family. Can't wait to see the next campuses that God's going to open up as we keep on raising up leaders and sending people out. I cannot wait to see what is going to happen. But if you're with us for the first time today, I do want you to know we love you and we care about you already. We are in your corner and we believe in you. Like right now, before we even know you, we already believe in you. Now you're like, I don't know if I can believe that. Well, believe that, okay? We have been praying for you. We have been asking God to bring the right people to our church at the right time, and we believe that is you. So that's why we're trying to roll out the red carpet for you as best we possibly can so you can really know that the God in, God in heaven, he loves you, he values you, he does believe in you, and we're just trying to be an expression, a reflection of his posture towards you. So I pray today, again, your heart is really, really encouraged as we open up God's word. Uh, we have a title for today's message. It is, are you ready? I don't remember it. Just kidding. I'm in the restaurant business. I'm in the restaurant business. Let's see if this makes any sense at all by the time we're all said and done here. Turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. You're like, no, I'm not in the restaurant business. Well, maybe you are. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15. Uh, We're going to read all the way to the beginning of verse 18. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. The thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the church, the church. Today, we're going to talk about church. We're going to talk about the church today. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this because uh, our world is growing increasingly dark, as we all know. There's a lot of really terrible, deplorable things that are taking place all around our world. Obviously, for those of us who are in Texas, we have probably already heard about the, the mass shooting that took place in El Paso. For those of you who have friends and family members there, just know we love you and are praying for you and uh, trusting for God to give tremendous peace and comfort to you. Uh, What happened in Dayton, Ohio uh, this morning as well, uh, another mass shooting uh, this morning. Uh, But you can look at other parts of the world and you can see people in concentration camps. You can see individuals that are in refugee camps. You can still see uh, kids that are as young as five, three, five years old being sold in the sex Uh, slavery. Um, There is a lot of mess going on in our world. A lot of darkness. A lot of people are crying tears. A lot of people are wondering, God, why? A lot of people are asking themselves, can it get any worse than this? And I want you to know, in the midst of the world getting darker, there is a light, and his name is Jesus Christ, that continues to shine brighter and above all that. 
But Jesus Christ also gave uh, a mission. He gave an objective. He gave a calling to a group of people. And this group of people is the church. This group of people are his hands and his feet, his family, his body, those who have been called in their generation to be who God has called them to be. Jesus said it like this. No one takes a light and puts it under a bushel. What they do is they put it on a lampstand so that all can see it. Maybe you've heard the song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. And we are the church of Jesus Christ, called to shine the light of our glorious Savior into the darkest recesses of our world and announce that God is still good, that God is still faithful, That in the midst of tragedy and heartache and brokenness, our God has not fallen off of his throne. I want you to know, yes, the world can be looking like it's going crazy and can look like everything is falling apart. But please understand, our glorious father is not lost one ounce of his power. He is still seated on his throne and his majesty rules above all. And we get today, today we get to talk about, about the church what this means and what it looks like because I think if there's ever a time for the church to rise up, it's now. There's ever a time for the church to stop bickering and and being known for what we're against instead of us being known for what we're for. This is the time for that to happen. If there's ever a time for there to be a people that will be a picture of Asian people and black people and white people and Hispanic people and males and females and young and old coming together, this is the day for the church to rise up and be what Jesus always designed for the church to be. So I'm fired up today. I need you to know I'm excited today, okay? I I need you to know I might be a little bit loud today, but I'm going to try to whisper every now and then. Take it low. I don't want to scare someone off. They're like, man, that guy's intense. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Because I see, I see a people being assembled together. Uh, there's this story in Ezekiel 37. This is Valley of Dry Bones. And, and Ezekiel begins to prophesy over the bones. And the bones begin to come together. <laughs> Start coming together. Skin gets put on the bones and breath gets put on into this, these, these bones and they, they stand up a vast army. I can't help but hear the rattling sound. I can't help but hear like there's movement taking place. I can't help but feel as if God is taking people that have been dead for a long time. Maybe you feel like you've been dead for a long time. No purpose, no calling, no, no gifting, no, no, no direction in your life. I just feel like God brought you to this place today. God brought you to this this message so that you can be like that valley of dry bones and God can breathe into you and you can come to life again that you're not just going to wander around aimlessly your entire life waiting to die no it is time for you to live right now for the cause of Jesus Christ Uh, I want you to know I, I labeled this Sunday a particular Sunday that is not going to move you at all what I'm about to say will have you'll have no emotional response I know that it's Growth Track Sunday, okay? Growth Track Sunday, okay? Seven of you. These people are really bought in. These people that just, that just <laughs> cheered for Growth Track, okay? There's no one I know that is listening today that's like, man, Growth Track, 
I can't wait to talk about that. You're thinking about your bills. <laughs> You're thinking about your job. You're thinking about your boyfriend or girlfriend or your spouse. You're thinking about your kids. You're thinking about going back to school. You're thinking about, the, you're thinking about a doctor's report. You aren't thinking about growth track. Sometimes pastors can get in their own heads and think that everybody's thinking about church stuff. I know you're not. <laughs> but for these few moments, I, I, I've got you here. For these few moments, I get the opportunity to paint a picture for you of what the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ, can really look like. And I've got these few moments, and I'm not going to let this moment slip by. I'm not going to let this moment just fall by the wayside. No, I want to seize this moment with everything I have on the inside of me so I can see you unlocked and become the man or the woman that God destined for you to be. Now, now understand this. Growth track, you've heard, if you've been here for a while, if you're brand new, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you've been here for a little while, you've heard us mention this all the time. We're like this, we've got this two-step process to you kind of assimilating, becoming a part of, becoming a member of or an owner of this church. You've heard us talk about this. And this little two-step process, I need to make this abundantly clear. I do not have a goal for you to complete growth track. I've got a goal, a vision, to make you a Christ-like leader who makes it on earth as it is in heaven. That's my goal. My goal for you is not some little class. My goal for you is not some too little session. My goal for you is to unlock the call of God on the inside of you so that you become the man or woman he destined for you to be. My goal is for you to have your shoulders up so high, your head up so high, your heart so filled with the Holy Spirit that you walk into places of darkness and you declare the light of Jesus Christ. My goal is for you to walk into situations that seem completely impossible and you look at that and say God can still work a miracle here my goal is for you to be a man or a woman that stands in the middle of darkness and says Jesus Christ is still ruler he's still above he's still greater my goal for you is to be all that God has called you to be and do everything that God has called you to do my goal for you is to not live some average mundane mediocre boring life no my goal for you is for you to step into a place of supernatural living where you have to depend on God for every single thing because you're in a place where you have to trust. My goal for you is to not just be a good dad, but to be a supernatural dad. My goal for you is not just for you to be a good mom, but for you to be a mom that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, ready to speak over your children. My goal for you is not just to be another friend in that friend group. My goal for you is for you to be a light in that circle and for your friends to look at you and think about the goodness of God. My goal for you is not just to start some everyday company, but to start a company that will turn the world right side up for 
for the cause of Jesus Christ. My goal for you is for everything that's on the inside of you that you know is there, but you're afraid to tap into, that the spirit of the living God would use my words and use my voice and use this family to get that key in the exact right spot to unlock everything that's in you. My goal for you is for you to wake up like you've never been awakened before. That's my goal for you. That's my goal. I told you I'm a little bit excited. I apologize. No, I don't. I'm not sad at all. I'm not apologizing at all. I'm so fired up about this. Because I see Christians living boring lives. Boring. Mundane. Average. Blah. Punching in and punching out. I'm going to even do that anymore unless you maybe got some factory job. I don't know. Do people even punch in, punch out anymore? Everything's probably on our phone. You're just existing. Do me a favor. Breathe. Breathe. Go. Breath in. Breath out. Come on. In. In. Out. If you can do that, that's a sign that God's not done with you yet. The sign that God's not done with you yet. Your ex might be done with you. <laughs> you delete it from the phone. The text stream is gone. But God's not done with you yet. Your family might be done with you. But God's not done with you yet. Can I even say you might be done with you? You might be done with, you're, 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 you're done with yourself. You keep falling over the same things over and over and over and over and over again. You're like, I'm, I'm done with me. I'll be a nice person. I'll go to church, but I won't be the church. And I'm just telling you, I want to raise you up to be the church in the world. I want you to be someone that's living for the glory of God. I want you to be someone that doesn't think you have to work at the church in order to be the church. I need you to be someone that understands that only a few people can work at the church, but a whole lot more people work outside the church. And we need that because we need you to be the church. Because how in the world are engineers and doctors and lawyers and car manufacturers going to hear about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ if we don't have more business leaders stepping out and being the hands and feet of Jesus? I'm not trying to get some little holy huddle over here. I'm trying to get us to huddle on a Sunday, huddle in a connect group so then we go out and we can run the play and be who God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do. But there's a lot of things that are trying to slow us down. I'll give you one of them, okay? This is not popular. Instagram. Oh, man, you guys got quiet on me on that one. Instagram. Now, Instagram is not evil in and of itself. Of course it's not, okay? It's fun. Get to connect with people. Talk with people you haven't talked to in a while. Uh, but the problem with Instagram is the comparison. It's killing us. It's killing us. It's taking life out of our very souls. You can be having the best day in the entire world. You're like, My, this is a good day. This is an Instagram story worthy day. <laughs> and you're putting filters on there. You're going to Spotify, putting music on there. You know, you're doing Old Town Road while you're, I mean, you, you just, your Instagram story is on point today. Your selfies on, they're on point. 
And then you go ahead and start scrolling through. And in about seven seconds, you realize you have the worst life out of all of your friends. You're not that pretty. <laughs> You're not that fun. Your car's raggedy. You start looking at their apartment versus your apartment, their house versus your house, their friends versus your friends, and this FOMO can set in, and we're looking at other people's lives, wishing we had their lives, and they're looking at us, wishing they had our lives, because everyone you know this, they took 38,000 selfies before they posted that one. You ever see somebody that walking with their dog, and even their leash is right in the picture? It's got like this little bell curve. It's a... But when you walk your dog, your dog is pooping everywhere. Your dog is biting on, all on the leash. I did use the word poop in church too, and I want to apologize about that. Two times. <laughs> but you look at other people, you're like, man, I wish I had their life. I have been to places, and then I've seen the pictures of the places that I went. And they are two entirely different things. When I was there, it was terrible. When I saw the pictures, it was like, man, I wish I was there. Wait, I was there, and it was not that good. <laughs> but you can put the right angle on something. You can put the right filter on something. You can put the right hashtag on something, and all of a sudden, something that's really average can become pretty spectacular in our heads. This comparison is killing us. Comfort is paralyzing us. So comfortable. I love uh, my wife and I, uh, we look forward to going on vacation at some point in time uh, this summer. It's going to be fun. We're going to go somewhere, and wherever we go, we're hoping that there's a pineapple that's cut open. Somebody puts a drink in there, non-alcoholic. And <laughs> just trying to help people who might be struggling. Uh, an umbrella in there as well. And I look forward to them bringing that to me. And I'm going to be on a beach just chilling, okay? I don't pay for excursions when I go out on vacation. Why? Because I'm not paying more money for you to make me tired, okay? I see, yes, I see the mountain. But I only want to see it. I don't want to climb it because I'm on vacation. And why am I going to give you $275 to make me hot? No, no, no. I will lay here on this beach with my beautiful bride reading a book. That's great for vacation. It's a terrible way to live your life. Comfort, 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 comfort. Everything I can to make sure I'm at ease. Everything I can to make sure I feel good. Everything, I want to do everything in my power to make sure my feathers are never ruffled. I want to make sure I got the nicest car and the nicest apartment. And I, I, I don't want to do it if it's going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to make me uncomfortable. I'm just not interested in doing that. And the problem with that is whenever you want to do something that God is calling you to do, you're going to have to be willing to be made uncomfortable. Every time. He's pulling you out of yourself so you can get lost more in the person of Jesus Christ. So you will have to, and I will have to be okay being pulled out of our comfort zone. Nothing great grows there. Average can grow there. 
Mediocre can grow there, but greatness does not grow in comfort. It grows in challenge. It grows in resistance. It grows in pressure. And that's when you become who God is calling you to be. Cynicism. Let me go this one. Cynicism. Cynicism. Um, has anyone under the sound of my voice ever been hurt by anyone? Anyone? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, shoot. Maybe I've hurt you. I want to apologize. <laughs> I've said something or done something that maybe has hurt you. Hurt you. It's possible. I won't have you raise your hand on this, but we even have people that come to our church with church hurt. Right? Church hurt them. Well, we know buildings don't hurt people. People hurt people. There was someone, someone that hurt you. But this cynicism, it's hindering us from moving forward and being who God is calling us to be. It's, it's stopping us. It's slowing us down. Because we think if you're a man and you hurt me before and now you're a new man coming into my life, I guess you're going to hurt me too. You're a woman. Women have always wronged me, so you're probably going to wrong me as well. And, oh, you're, you're the government, or, oh, you're this, or, oh, you're that. And, hey, I'm not saying these people or these enti entities or these institutions have not hurt you. But what I am saying, if you keep allowing cynicism and criticism to be the filter through which you see life, you will not step forward into doing what God has called you to do. You'll always have an excuse and a reason and it will be because of them take ownership that's on you you're making the choice now you can still totally be loved by God accepted fully but you'll not fulfill the purpose that God has for your life if you keep allowing a critical complaining cynical spirit to rule you Stop rehearsing it and release it instead. Stop rehearsing the pain. Release the pain. As, learn from it. Be smart about it. You don't have to trust them exactly the same way, but don't take what they did and now paint every single person with that brush because not every church, not every man, not every woman, not every job, not every boss, not every uh, friend group is the same. The cross, my friends, is what frees us from all of this comfort and, and cynicism, and, and it's what frees us from the comparison. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that puts us on a whole new foundation, and I just want to make it abundantly clear for every one of us. We are Jesus people here, okay, and we believe that the cross of Jesus Christ and his glorious empty tomb is enough to cover every single shortcoming, every single failure, every single misstep, every single mistake, Every single thing you did on accident, every single th thing you did on purpose, the cross of Jesus Christ is greater and stronger and bigger and better than your worst sin on your worst day. You have not yet exhausted the grace of God. You have not yet run out of his love. You cannot sin so much that God goes, I'm done with you. I'm telling you, God's love runs deeper and further and farther than you could ever possibly imagine. You tell yourself this. You tell your kids this. You tell your friends this. You tell your fraternity brothers and your sorority sisters that they have not yet exhausted the grace of almighty God. He still got buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets available for them. I told you I'm excited. But I got to give you some theology. Okay? A little theology. 
on the church. Just a little bit, okay? I got to give you some scriptures around what the church is, who the church is. First, Ephesians chapter 5. If you're in Colossians, you just got to flip a couple books to your left. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number 29 says, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. This might be new for some of you. The church is not a building. The church is the body of Christ. And we've all got different parts of the body. Like we have different parts of our body, Jesus has different parts of his body. And you might be, I don't know, an elbow or that weird part in between your thumb and your index finger. And hopefully you're not ashy. And if you don't know what ashy means, you got to get some more black friends in your life. And they will explain to you what ashy means. <laughs> so it looks like you've been playing in flour. That's what it looks like. And lotion cures it, okay? A number of our babysitters are white, and they got our kids, and I've seen my kids come out of the house, and they are ashy, and i got to let them know, hey, don't do that to my children, Okay? <laughs> I need you to get as much lotion as you possibly can, and you lather these children up, okay, where they look greasy. That's what I want you to do so they don't have any ash on them at all. <laughs> just trying to train people, just trying to train people. We are his body. You might be an artery, a lung, incredibly important but not seen. Necessary but not seen. You're still part of the body. Could be a pinky. Could be an ear. I don't know, but we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Let me keep on going here. Let me get, that, that's one thing. That's one thing the scriptures teach us, that we are the body. Another thing is that we are what Jesus is building. The church is what Jesus is building. Go with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. It says, it reads, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Here's where I want us to focus. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my what? I will build my what? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will build my church, this is Jesus speaking, I will build my church. Our, uh, our eight-year-old is about to turn nine uh, tomorrow. So we're fired up about this. We got a birthday. We have not done anything to prepare for this birthday um, because it kind of snuck up on us a little bit. We love our child, but weren't planning for the birthday party. We bought him a present, though. We bought him uh, a Nintendo Switch the other day. Do you know those are $300? $300, and it was so worth it because that thing will babysit for hours upon hours upon hours. And if you're judging me, it's because you don't have kids, okay? <laughs> Every parent knows 
you're a professional before you have children. Then once you have them, you go, oh my goodness, give me every sleep prop I possibly can have. Give me every um, technological device I possibly can so that I can have someone watch my children for me so I can actually do something like my hair. It takes time to even do this. So our son, we got him the Nintendo Switch. He is gifted in so many ways. We love Grayson. He's a, a ton of fun. Like my wife calls him wonder in a bottle. But he's a builder. He loves Legos. He can put stuff together. Uh, but this other thing that he, he has this, this skill, this skill we've called foil art. Okay? Because what he does is he goes and he goes and gets the Reynolds wrap. Pulls off a sheet of it and sits there. I mean, he'll be there for well, hours, honey, at times, just building things. And it started off like him making little spiders. But now he can do something as intricate as a T-Rex. He's got the claws, he's got the tail, and it's all just foil that he just manipulates and puts into these little, he's asking us to give him a YouTube channel. We're not giving him a YouTube channel to do this, okay? That's the generation we are living in. So he... <laughs> He wants a YouTube um, to make money off of my foil, which is not right either. <laughs> he has no idea the cut I will take if he makes any money off of that YouTube. <laughs> anyway, he puts his foil art, but he has a little sister. His little sister, we love her, but she's a little sister. Okay, so she's four, and she's got her bigger brother. She's got another older brother, but this, the middle with the baby, oh my goodness. It's like, oh, I mean, they're fighting all the time. And this little four-year-old who's so sweet, so kind, beautiful eyes. I see her walk up. Grayson's just doing his foil, doing his foil, doing his foil. He'll set a piece down over here and grab another piece of foil and start doing it. And this little piece that's sitting over here, L sees it. L has seen the time he's put in. L has seen the intricate detail. L has seen the effort and the energy. And she goes over there, grabs that thing, crushes it. <laughs> throws it down, will grab it, and run away with it. And, of course, all hell breaks loose at that point in time. And our eight-year-old's like, Daddy, Mommy, Elle's got my foil again. And we're like, oh, my God, Elle, put the foil down. And she throws it down, and she's like, sorry. <laughs> this happens day after day after day after day in our home. But here's Grayson building something. And here's L destroying what he's building. We all know it's wrong for L to destroy something that Grayson is building. Matthew chapter 16 tells us that Jesus is building his church. He's building his church. He's building his church. He's building his church. And how many of us are sneaking over? Taking what Jesus is building, spitting on it disrespecting it, throwing things at it, disregarding it, uh, make, making it common, not caring about the thing that he cares about. Jesus is over here trying to put intricate detail in the church, and we're over here saying, well, you know church is this and church is that, and we're tearing down the church with our words and being indifferent towards the church. And Jesus is like, you can be indifferent if you want to, but I'm telling you, this is the thing that I'm building. I'm working on this right now. What in the world does this have to do with growth track? 
what, what, what does this have to do with growth track at all? You see, the church, the church is a big C, and it's mobilized into little C's, local churches. The big C church is generational. It goes far beyond just Dallas. It goes far beyond just Antigua. It goes far beyond one location. The big C church, man, you've got Presbyterians and Baptists and Lutherans and Church of God in Christ. You've got AME. You've got Catholics. You got, I mean, you've got in the big C church, anyone that says Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through him. And anyone that holds these scriptures to be inspired by God and the word of God, anyone that's saying that is a part of the big C church. I don't care what denomination you want to put on it. I don't care if your church is 100 people or your church is 100,000 people. It does not matter. And that's not even all that important to God. What really matters is what's your message. What really matters is where does your message come from? And if you are preaching Jesus, from these scriptures right here, you're part of the big C church. But what God does is he mobilizes into small, local churches. Shoreline City is a local church. We're a part of this bigger story. Since we are a part of this bigger story, now I have an objective to mobilize all the beautiful people that God has brought to be a part of this local church family. And I now have to mobilize you not to be entertained, but to be empowered. And I want to apologize that the church for years has taught you just to be entertained. We have told you, just come on Sunday and be a nice person. Give a little bit of money and just don't rock the boat all that much. And tell us what all of your needs are so we can make sure we really, really bend to you and do everything that you want us to do. And we have made this some type of a show. We have made this some type of a spectator event. When you and I were never designed to be some spectator. We were designed to be in the ring fighting. We were designed to be the ones, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to advance his cause and his story. So I want to apologize to you that we have taught you over the years, whatever church you heard about, whatever church you were a part of, we taught you just come and listen and watch and we'll do all the work for you and we'll try to make you happy. But I just want you to know, that's not who Shoreline City is, okay? I'm just letting you know, that's not who we are. That's not who we've ever been. That's not who we're going to be. I'm not up here trying to be Dave Chappelle. <laughs> people say I look like him, which I think is rude. All black people do not look the same. <laughs> I'm not up here trying to just make you happy. I'm not up here trying to make you just feel good. I am up here. One day God's going to ask me, what did you do with the people that I put in your care? And I'm not going to say, hey, God, I made them laugh a little bit. Hey, God, I tried to make them feel good about themselves. I'm going to say, God, I did everything in my power to make sure every single one of them were positioned under that glorious cross of Jesus Christ to fulfill the plans and purposes you had for them. That is my objective, and one of the systems that we use here to do that is growth track. It's a front door. It's a pipe. It's a system so that we know who you are, so that we can help you become who God has called you to be. 
So if you just want to be entertained, you can come, but this is not the right church for you. If you want a church that will expect nothing out of you, you can still come here, but we're not that church. We actually expect you to do all that God called you to do, and we're here to help you and support you to be all that God destined for you to be. Okay, so what about that restaurant stuff I was talking about earlier? Okay, I'm going to try to connect some dots here. I thought, hmm, how do I make this, how do I make this palatable for everyone? And I thought you can have a restaurant. When you go to a restaurant, you and I are used to ordering at a restaurant. But we're not used to being the owner of a restaurant. And I thought there's two different mindsets with ordering and owning. If you come to a restaurant to order, you come because you're like, what's in it for me? I'm here to be fed. I'm here to be taken care of. I'm here for you to do for me what I pull off the menu. And I want you to do it in the time I ask you to do it. And if it takes too long, I'll leave. That's ordering. And that's how a lot of people treat the church. Not your fault. We trained you. Pastors trained you. Just place your order. How's the music? Too loud? Too soft? Too cool? Too, what, what, what you need? What, 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 how can I, what, what do you need? And yes, I understand we want to help set a good table. But when you own something, it's not what's in it for me. It's what's in it for them. When, you're an, when you have an ownership mindset, it is not about trying to get your needs met. You're trying to meet someone else's needs. That's where I'm trying to get us to switch. Because if we have a church of people, thousands of people that are great with ordering, but we don't have a church filled with thousands of people that know what it means to own, then we will not fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for us in our generation. Okay, what's another one? What's another one? When you, when you have an ordering mindset, you wait to be served. But when you have an ownership mindset, you can't wait to serve. See the difference? Y'all with me? You're looking at me like I'm crazy right now. Let me, let me give you another one. I got like 10 of these, but I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you three. Whenever you are ordering, you'll give extra if the service is good. I'm like, hmm, that's a good message. I like what they did with my kids today. Parking lot, mm, flowed pretty good. Uh, it took a little bit longer than I wanted it to, but mm, overall, I'll give it a B. Just a little extra. This is what we do at a restaurant. How was the service? The service was good. I'll give you a little extra. But if it's not, I want to talk to a manager. Hey, no problem. I get that. It's your food. But it's not the mindset we have when we come to church. It's not the mindset we need to be the church. We're talking church, we're talking owner. And it's not, I give extra if the service is good. I give extra to make sure it's good. I give extra to make sure everything is in line. I give extra to make sure the table is set. I give extra because this is not just something I do. It's a part of who I am. It's a totally different mindset. So... How many of you have family members, when they come to Thanksgiving, they don't bring anything? They eat. They sleep on the couch. They watch the TV. But they don't bring anything. And not only do they not bring anything, they don't help clean up. 
Then they try to take something to go. You get to choose what type of family member are you going to be here? Are you going to be one that doesn't bring anything, just watches the TV, just sleeps on the couch, tries to take something to go, and expects everybody else to do everything for you? Or are you going to be that family member that brought some sweet potato pie or brought some stuffing or is in the kitchen helping to clean and is bringing what they have to the table, even though it might not be the best, but at least they're bringing it to the table? What would the world look like if there was thousands of people that were willing not just to order but to own what Jesus Christ is building. What would it look like? Listen, I had a video I was going to show you guys. I'm not going to show it now so I can get out of here. Get out of here. But look on Instagram. After church. Not yet. Got a couple of videos about growth track. A couple of individuals that, that, that are sharing their story about how and why they took the step to go from where they were, sitting on the sidelines and ordering, to becoming an owner. It's a massive difference. It's a different mindset. It's a different amount of buy-in. It does require a different amount of energy. But what I'm telling you, nothing great is ever built on minimums. You will not have a great relationship. You will not have a great marriage. You will not lead a great company if you're trying to build it on minimums. How do I give just the least amount of effort? It will not work out right. What you want to do is go all in. And what I want to say for every one of us is I want us to go all in with the body that Jesus is caring for and the church that he is building, and that is not a building. It is a people that will go out and be the hands and feet of Christ and make it on earth as it is in heaven in every part of society. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? So I'm calling on us, calling on us to make a switch. If you wouldn't mind, bow your heads just for a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice today, and maybe your heart's being a little bit challenged even as we talk about all of this. And you're like, man, I've just been consuming. I've just been ordering. I have not, I don't have an ownership mindset. I don't want you to have any guilt. I don't want you to have any shame. But this is a day for you to make the shift. It's a day for you to change the way you're going to approach the body of Christ and what he is building. And I am telling you, there is a grace upon your life when you begin to partner with what Jesus is already doing. It will not take away from the other areas of your life. It will only add to the other areas of your life. But growth track is not the most important thing we do here. The most important thing we do is connect people with a glorious Savior named Jesus. If you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him first. You've never made him number one. But you're here today. You're listening today. You're saying, I don't want to go my own way. I want to go his way. I don't want to be on my own path. I want to be on his path. 
I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something bold. On the count of three, I literally want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. So this is for those of you who've never given your life to Jesus or at one point in time you did and you slipped away and you've gone another direction. On the count of three, I want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I'm ready to give my heart and my life to Christ. Hands are already going up. One, two, three. Just put your hand in the air. You're saying, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. You're talking to me right now. My heart's beating in my chest. I know this is my moment to surrender, my moment to get off my own path, get on his path. This is my moment to stop going my own way, to begin to go his way. This is my moment. I see all my friends on the balcony. I see my friends on the floor here. I see new life, new transformations taking place right here, right in this moment, right now. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart. Every person under the sound of my voice, put your hand over your heart. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, Dear Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's lift your heads up and clap your hands with enthusiasm.